So, because you're here, I assume you made it through the Christmas season, so congratulations of all the chaos and the plans and the travel. Uh, because uh, I kind of get my own Sunday here, Ed didn't tell me what to preach on for once, and so I, <laughs> I get to kind of choose my own topic, and because we're not in the middle of a series, I kind of felt appropriate that it would be kind of this last Sunday of 2018 kind of topic of, of this idea of reflecting uh, back on what the year was. And so when I began to kind of reflect uh, on my 2018, the first question I always ask myself is, well, where did it start? And so for me and my wife, it actually started with a New Year's Eve event with all of our teenagers at our last church, and it quite literally ended up in flames. Um, and so this one isn't quite, you can't really see how big this fire actually is. If I were standing there, my head would be like right here. Uh, and so what we did, which was super fun, is the entire week after the Christmas, after Christmas, we went around and got people's Christmas trees, and then we didn't water them on purpose, and we started piling them up in our parking lot, and we got a burn permit, and when the New Year's came, we lit them on fire, uh, and it was awesome, and nobody got hurt, and we didn't burn anything down, and life was good. The other thing I thought of, which this was technically 2017, but it's Christmas time, so you can kind of lump it in there, is my wife and I had, we, we played a prank on our family and friends. And so we got married in November, the beginning of November. And when we got married, our wedding hashtag was house party of two. Now, if you don't know what a hashtag is, it was quite fun to explain in the first service. But if you don't know what a hashtag is, it's, it's, it's basically uh, having a word or two and slapping it on as a theme for whatever you're doing. And so the, the, the cool new hip thing to do when you get married these days is to have a wedding hashtag. And so Megan and I's wedding hashtag was house party of two. House being my last name, party of two. We are now party of two. So we got home, and we kind of joked. We're like, well, you know, we're kind of a house party of three because we had a, I had my black lab at the time. And understanding this from day one, and actually literally when we got engaged, my family um, and my mom and my grandmother, they were all like, hey, guys, when are you going to have kids? And so from day one, we informed them that we had a very carefully and well-planned out five-year plan of not having kids. But it came around Christmas time, and it was like five or six weeks after we got married, and we said, hey, let's play a joke on our family. And so we posted this picture, and it, uh, it says house party, house party of four. There's my lab. You can't really see her. She's so dark. And so we were like, oh, hey. And so we just posted it, and then we sent it to our families, and then we didn't say anything. Like, just let, like, an hour or two go by, and we were like, oh, this is so funny. And so many people were commenting, like, oh, my gosh, congratulations. This is great, blah, blah, blah. And then we responded with this. <laughs> we had a puppy, you know. And so this is Denver, and we got him right after Christmas or right during Christmas. And he was our fourth. 
Granted, you know how this story goes, because in 2018, six months, seven months later, we also posted this, which was our baby announcement. And so for us, our 2018 was really, you reap what you sow. And so that was our 2018 and it was all groovy, it was all good, and it was full of a lot of ups and downs. But in all seriousness, I really think it is important for us to really pause and reflect on what 2018 was for us. Like, what did your walk with God look like? How did God move in your life? You know, probably so. It was a, it was a year of a lot of ups and downs. Maybe 2018 was a year of, of, of more downs. Maybe it was a year of more ups. But I think it's important for us to really just pause and ask ourselves, how did God move in my life this year? What did that look like? Was there a miracle? Was there just a clear movement of God? Am I closer to God? Am I further from God? What does my family life look like? Are we actually centered around Christ? And so there's a lot of questions there. Uh, and our passage is going to guide us through uh, some of these questions. Uh, the passage is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And so to set this context of, of, of this passage, is this was written by Paul. And Paul is imprisoned in Rome for the second time. And so this letter, it's a little different than all of Paul's other letters in the sense that you can just kind of tell as you read it, like Paul understands that this is it. Like he, he's just, he, he, he knows that he's probably not going to get out of prison this time. This is probably where he is going to die. And he's okay with it. You know, he, he's okay with it. And so what he does in, in, these, in these last times, in our last really recorded time of him, is he pins this letter to Timothy. And Timothy to him was a, and you see this in chapter 1, verse 1, and 2, verse 1, which we're about to see, is Paul has this deep, deep affection for Timothy, and it's very much a, a, a mentorship, like investment uh, of, of Paul into Timothy. Like he cared for him as if he were his own son. So when I, when I think of this relationship, uh, for me, I instantly go to the relationship I had with my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather was just like my superhero in life. And the reason why is because he was the one who, you know, once my dad left, he, he, he came alongside of me and really showed me what it meant to be a man of God. He showed me really what it meant to be a husband because I didn't have a very good example. He showed me, and, and just this idea of, of parenting one day, and <laughs> parenting, <laughs> Whew, I'm not ready, y'all, um, of, of parenting, when I think of, of parenting, the first place I go to is, is my mother, who was incredible, but then immediately after that, alongside of her, was my grandfather. He was the one who instilled in me what it looked like to pursue Christ in all areas of my life. So as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a hard worker, just living that daily life for Christ and what that looked like. And so 
This is the relationship I think that Paul and Timothy had. This one of, of deep connection, of deep investment, of deep care, and just loving on Timothy for who he was and showing Timothy this is what it looks like to follow Christ. Verse 1, I'll read, I'll read all these for you. Verse 1, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord your God will give you insight into all of this. And so this, this passage, it reflects a similar pattern of, of what I outlined last time to you guys. Is A lot of times what Paul does is he, he will make a bold statement, and then it's followed by a list. Okay, A lot of times it's a list of, okay, this is what it looks like. Rather, this time, he, he makes that bold statement in verse 1, but then he follows it up with four different illustrations of what it actually looks like. So he, he, he gives us our illustrations, um, so I don't have to come up with them today, um, but he gives us our illustrations of, of what it looks like to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So verse 1, he says, you then, my son. Okay, so we immediately see here, once again, the relationship that Paul has with Timothy, the dearly loved one, the affection. This is what, this is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to learn. So as I am likely facing the end of my life, the end of my time, this, Timothy, is, is, is who I want you to be like. This is who I want you to reflect. This is what I want you to pursue, my son. Be strong. Be strong. So this Greek term here, uh, it's pronounced dunamai. And if you're a Greek expert, I may have mispronounced that. Forgive me. Um, but this Greek term dunamai, is the same Greek word that, is, that Paul uses in a lot of different places that you know. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ephesians 6.10, this is where Paul lists off the putting on the full armor of God. Be strong in that. And he says, be strong, how? Well, in the, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul is reminding Timothy the freedom that grace affords us. He's reminding Timothy that it, you don't have to fit this certain mold to feel like you're good enough. You don't have to be a slave to what the world has to offer you. That the only thing that really matters is how God sees you, not how the world sees you. And so be strong in this grace, in this freedom that is given to us through Christ Jesus. 
And then he follows it up with the four illustrations. The first one comes from verse 2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So what are the things? Uh, the things are, the thing is, it is the foundational truth of the gospel. Paul is making clear, he said, hey, what you have heard me say to you in the presence of many witnesses over many times, what I have constantly put into you, what I have constantly invested in you, is this foundational truth of the gospel. So what is that? Well, that is that Christ died for our sins and that any man or woman or any person or of any skin color of any income level of any job, anywhere, any place on the entire face of the planet, if they put their faith in Christ Jesus, they can be saved. Amen? That they can be saved. And this is that foundational truth that Paul's instilling into Timothy. And what he's telling Timothy is, this first illustration is that you are to be a teacher, so a lot of these qualities that we're going to see, a lot of these illustrations that we're going to see, you know, it can, it can definitely be applied to Timothy as the preacher, right? Because that's, that's what Timothy was. He was a minister of the gospel. It was his full-time occupation and, and what he consistently did. And it's, it's all true. But I believe all of these qualities and all of these illustrations are definitely applied to the everyday follower of Christ, because that's what Timothy was, in fact, is that he was a follower of Christ. And so he's not telling every single person that, hey, you need to be a preacher. But what he's telling them is you need to be an investor. That what you have, this gift that I have given you, this gift that is, in, that is available to you through the grace of Christ Jesus is not meant to be kept to yourself. It's not meant to be just buried deep down inside of you and only brought up if somebody else asks you about it. It's to be the center point of your life and everything you do is in, in some way and somehow surrounded on the gospel. It's meant to be shared. And so the reflection, question, the reflection number one is, are you investing in others? And so with a lot of these reflections, I'm going to ask you questions. And these questions, as I was asking them and as I was preparing this, like these are hard questions. And I hope, I, I, I hope that they're convicting, but I hope that they're challenging to you. And the first one with this is, I heard a seminary professor put this, so you can blame him if it offends you, is are you just being a spiritual cow? <laughs> are you being a spiritual cow? Are you just being, because the truth is, if, if you're coming here and you're part of a group, but if you have a certain aspect on it, what could be happening to you is you are just literally getting fatter and fatter spiritually until the day that you are taken to the slaughterhouse, until you face death, and oh, that's your life. Are you being a spiritual cow? The absolute best things, when reflecting on this question and this challenge, 
I was very clearly reminded that the absolute best things, the best qualities in me, the best moments in me, they obviously, they, they come by the grace of God. But they were taught to me by my grandfather and by my mother and by my youth pastor who were investing in me, okay? And it's not just, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff from preaching. I learned a lot of stuff from teaching, and there's absolutely a place for that because I'm standing here teaching. But the absolute best things, the absolute best lessons have come to me through people investing their lives into me intentionally. And so my challenge and my question to you is, are you doing the same for the people in your life? Are you intentionally investing your life into those around you? Are you pouring into them the foundational truth of the gospel that hopefully was poured into you? And if you're not fortunate enough to have a relationship of somebody pouring into you, I would say, I'm sorry, I think you can still find it. But I would also say to you, is start it now. Start investing into others that are around you the foundational truth of the gospel. Because the reality is, is that most people these days, they're going to come to Jesus not by an incredible sermon, not by a random YouTube video, but they're going to come to Christ through relationship that has been invested in them. Are you investing in others? Verses 3 and 4, Paul states, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. And so our next illustration, I should have fixed that. It's supposed to say the soldier. Envision that. The next illustration is the soldier. A good soldier in, the, in these days, and probably a good soldier now, is that their entire task, their single task, their 24 hours a day, seven days a week, what they are to be concerned with is serving their commander. And so what Paul is emphasizing to Timothy here is he wants Timothy to display this same commitment to God. Now, I think... The first thing that probably comes to mind is like, okay, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm supposed to be thinking about Jesus, okay? That's not possible, right? Because hopefully you all at least get like five or six hours of sleep. For me, when my kid comes, it's going to be like three, um, and I'm just mentally preparing myself for this. But so it's, it's an unrealistic thought of, okay, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, that, that is not what Paul is, is telling Timothy here. That's not what we should leave here with this unrealistic thought of, okay, I'm going to think about God all the time. But rather, Paul is, he, he is emphasizing to Timothy that there is going to be a lot of distractions, that there's going to be a lot of options, that there's going to be a lot of different opportunities. And what you, as a follower of Christ, have to do is you have to come up with priorities, and top priority number one has to be God. That is supposed to be your top priority. So it's a challenge as a Christian to look at all of these distractions we have. 
Okay, so we probably live in the most distracted culture to, his, to, to this point in, in all of history. And the reason why is because of our, our iPhones, right? What's the first thing, and I said this in the first service, and I was like, I don't know if this really applies, but <laughs> what's the first thing you do in the morning? Is you check your phone. What's probably the last thing you do? You look at your phone. What do you, I mean, I find myself, even as I, and this is a confession, sorry, Ed, wherever you are, like, even during Ed's sermon, I find myself just looking at my phone, not for any reason. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't have the intention I don't have the intention to text. I don't have the intention to call somebody or look at ESPN or see the phone. Like, I, I have no intention, but I find myself in, in the habitual way of just constantly checking my phone. And so we live in this society that is just full of distractions and is full of options. The options for your kids these days are probably more options that there, that, that there have ever been. The opportunity for your kids these days are more than they probably have ever been. And the the challenge here is, am I going to make God priority number one? And so our next reflection is, where were your priorities this past year? Where were your priorities this past year? I hope I, and I pray, and if the answer isn't this, Megan, you tell me. I hope that when somebody, if somebody were to ask Megan, hey, in 2018, what was Justin's life about? It is my prayer, it is my hope, and it would keep me up at night if she said anything else other than Jesus. So if you really want to know where your priorities are or were this past year, ask your spouse because they know you better than anybody else. And I hope, I hope that she would, she would answer that with, oh, it, it was all about Jesus. And the reason why my hope is that is not because, oh, it makes Justin look good or, oh, it makes Justin feel puffed up and, and, and good about myself. But rather, I hope she would answer that because the only way that I'm going to be a good husband, the only way that I'm going to be a good father, the only way that I'm going to be a good friend to her is if all of that is rooted in Christ and his priority number one. So my priorities aren't, aren't watching football. My priorities aren't being in really good shape, which I'd like to be in better shape. My priorities aren't what kind of cool vehicle I have or how much money I can make or what my children's and sports leagues are doing. But rather my priority number one is God and how am I centering myself first and how am I centering my family around the gospel? So where were your priorities this last year? People tell me you can tell a person's priorities. So the other way you can ask yourself this is, and I've always heard this, and I think it's true, but I want to add something, is everyone says you can tell a man's priority by where they spend their time and, why, and where they spend their money. And I think that's true. The thing I would add on to that is Are your priorities glorifying yourself or are they glorifying God? 
And if you find yourself these priorities, they are constantly to make me feel better or to make my family feel better. If it's not centered around God, it's just going to lead to emptiness. It's just going to lead to ending right back up where you started and asking yourself the same question and starting all over again. So where were your priorities last year? The next illustration, it comes from verse 5. He says, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. So our next illustration is the athlete. Paul uses the picture of an athlete to illustrate the importance of complete devotion and stamina in Christian living. So if every day for like a year, let's just, let's just say a year, that's probably good enough. Actually, a month would probably be good enough. So every day for a month or for a year, let's just say you sat on your couch and you ate a quart of good old Tillamook, not Mook. I was corrected on that a couple weeks ago. You Oregonians are throwing me for a loop because I feel like Tillamook is way more southern than Tillamook, but whatever. Tillamook. Trying to become an Oregonian. I'm trying hard. I'm trying to set a good example for my future kid because he's going to be an Oregonian or she's going to be an Oregonian. So anywho, you sat on your couch every day and you ate Tillamook ice cream. And you did that for a month. You did that for a year. You just, you know, you, you're just sitting on the couch. You're watching football. You're watching your favorite Netflix show. You're watching Hulu, whatever you're doing. And then one day you get this invite to come and play a game of indoor soccer. Right? And you're like, yeah, this will be great. This will be fun. I'll have a great time. And you show up, and, and what's going to happen? Right? It's just not going to go well. You know, you're probably going to puke, all right, if you try to, try to run. Uh, it's probably going to last, like, maybe five minutes. Maybe if you used to be an athlete, maybe ten. All right? And you're just not going to do very good. Pretty quickly, you're going to be like... <laughs> Hey, guys, I'll be goalie. Um, You know, it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. Here's the the news flash in that. And the question is, would they change the rules for you to play? Now, if it was any kind of serious game, the answer would be no. Like, the rules are not going to be changed so you can better adapt to them, so you can better play for them. They're not going to change. Now, we live in a society that is slightly soft, and so maybe one day that will happen, but not right now, okay? Right now, the rules would not change. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying you have to, if you're going to compete as an athlete, you're going to have to commit to a training regimen to, the, to learning and understanding the rules if you're ever going to be victorious. And so the reflection number three is, are you training in the ways of Christ or are you training in the ways of the world? This idea that we're going to become more and more like Jesus without ever reading Scripture, without ever praying, without ever attending church faithfully in in the right sense, it's not realistic. You're not going to get on the other side of it and look more like Jesus, 
right? It's just not going to work. It'd be like giving a 13-year-old to the keys to the bus and say, hey, go pick up somebody in downtown Portland at 530. Like, it's just not going to go well. It's going to be a wreck. And so are you training in the ways of the world or are you training in the ways of Christ? In 2018, how many times did you actually dig into Scripture? Or was it something that you just checked off your list to your list to make you feel righteous? How many times did you ask yourself, okay, what is God teaching me in this passage? How can I apply it to my life? How can I apply it to my relationships? Does your prayer life just reflect your Fred Meyer's grocery list? Or, or, or are you actually, is it actually opening up yourself and as a connection to God? And spending time with him for the sake of simply just growing in him and spending time with him. And I'll go a step further with it. Is are, are you attending church just because it's the thing you've always done? Or just because it's the thing your family expects you to do? Or are you attending church with an intentionality of, I want to be a part of a, a body of believers that is going to reach Oregon City for the sake of the gospel? Am I going to be a part of a body of believers that is going to invest in one another, that is going to love on one another, that is going to worship God together? Is that my idea of church? Or is it just habit? So are you training in the ways of Christ, or are you training in the ways of the world? Our fourth and final illustration comes from verse 6. He says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Paul uses this analogy of the farmer to show that the one who works hard has the first claim on the fruits of the work. The phrase to receive a share of the crops, okay, it's not really referencing money or pay there, but rather it's a, it's a reference of the, but rather it's a promise of a spiritual reward from God for a job devotedly done, whether in this life or the next. Paul frequently uses this term, this hardworking term, this verb to describe the work of ministry, to describe the work of relationships. And he's underscoring the fact that the farmer who works will be the first to enjoy the fruits and the diligent Christian servant can expect the same whether in this life or the next. And so our last reflection is, am I working hard for the gospel. When I was in seminary, once again, another seminary illustration, um, I had this seminary professor who was in our spiritual formation class, and he, he read to us the following. So there's like 10 students here, and he, he reads us First Chronicles 28.20, and that says, David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. So he reads to us this passage, and then he asks us, what do you think is the most important P 
piece of this passage. And so immediately a lot of us, we went to, oh, you know, be strong and courageous. That's, that's, that's the main part of it. That's the most important part of it. Be strong and courageous. Then a lot of us, we, okay, when he still just kind of sat there and gave us a confused look, which happens a lot in seminary when people with PhD ask you questions. Uh, you know, he's sitting there, he's like, well, you know, maybe. And then, and then we moved on. We're like, well, okay, well, don't be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous. There's this kind of comparison here. Surely that is the most important part of it. And then he was like, ah. and then we're like, oh, my gosh. Well, let's just keep on moving on, okay? Uh, he's not going to fail us. He's not going to forsake us. So we went to the last part of verse. He was like, and then we're like, well, what part did we miss out? And then he said to us in a very bold and a very like life impacting moment to me as a pastor, he says the, the, the most important part of this verse. And while all you said was, was, was right in a way and holds water in a way and is important. But the most important part of this is do the work. Ministry is hard. Relationships are are hard. The most important part of this is do the work. When I think of a farmer, okay, and these are kind of stereotypical, so if they're not entirely accurate and you're a farmer, I'm sorry. Um, but when I think of a farmer, like, I don't think of somebody with clean hands, right? A farmer is going to be somebody with dirty hands, dirty, because they're not afraid to get in and to dig into what they need to dig into for the purpose of their job, and so we as Christians, we're supposed to be the same. We're supposed to be hands-on with our relationships. We're supposed to be intentional with our relationships by investing into others the foundational truth of the gospel. And we're not supposed to be afraid of that because the hardest people to do that with is our family. The hardest people to do that is with the people who know us the best. And things get messy and things get hard. But dig in there. The next thing I think of is, is, is patience. A farmer's got to have patience, okay? So I've never really farmed before, per se. But I assume that when you put a, soil, a seed into the soil and do whatever you're supposed to do, like it's not going to like instantly come up, Right? It's not in an hour or a day or even like three days, maybe. Like it's going to take some time to see your crops grow, and you're going to have to have patience. And so, as Christians, we're supposed to have patience with our relationships, with others, with, you know, immediately when we don't see God moving how we expect to see Him move, we don't just need to write it off. We don't just need to go into this mode of, oh, God, where were you? But rather have this patience to watch things grow over time, this patience of asking consistently, God, where are you moving in our lives? Where are you working in our lives? Consistently praying, praying for people and praying that God would come alive in people's lives and not just instantly expect it to happen. Because the truth is, is, is God moves in all things, but God especially moves in the small things. And then the last thing I, when I think of a farmer, is he's not going to expect results if he doesn't do the work. He's not going to expect results if he doesn't do the work. And the same is true for us. Don't 
it, we, we can't have this expectation. We can't have this reality of if I don't do the work to become more like Christ, when I, at the end of it, if, when I'm not like Christ, I shouldn't be surprised. That this is an everyday relationship with God that I'm consistently working on, consistently investing in and putting in the work and working more and more and more and more to become like Christ. And then he concludes this with, reflect on what I am saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all of this. I think when, as I was preparing this, as I'm teaching this, like, I, it's hard. <laughs> like, it was convicting to me to be like, ooh, okay, where were my priorities this past year? It was convicting to me of, am I investing into as many people as I can for the sake of the gospel? Am I working hard on my relationship with Christ? Or is it just an afterthought? And it it was a convicting feeling, and it was at times even kind of discouraging. But I want to encourage you to understand and go back to the first verse is know that you can be strong in grace, that you're not going to get this right on the first try, that you're not going to be perfect at any point in time, and you're definitely not going to be perfect for the rest of your life. But that is the beauty, that is the grace of Christ Jesus, that we're not perfect, and that we're sinners, and we're going to fall short on, fall short of this. But rather, we are going to intentionally live our lives for Christ, and become more like Christ. And in 2019, not just let another year just tick in, but rather step back and take a time to reflect and see areas of growth and see areas of opportunity that you can make for the sake of the gospel, that only maybe you can make for it. And so reflecting on these priorities of investing in others, of prioritizing Christ, of training in the ways to become more like him, of putting in the work, understanding that Paul and that God, he demands a pursuit of excellence in the Christian life. And as we pursue him and as we become more and more and more like him, we're going to see God move in our lives maybe more than you ever have in your entire life. And so my closing question is, what will your 2019 reflect? Will you commit to it? Will you commit to Christ? Maybe for the first time. Maybe you need to reflect a little bit and see mm, areas of growth. Maybe I would challenge you to sit down with your spouse and and look at 2018 and say, hey, I, I How can we grow in Christ together? How can we grow in Christ as a couple? Maybe if you have family, maybe to do it together as a family and ask yourselves, are we prioritizing Christ over sports? Are we prioritizing Christ over any of all, like all these other distractions that the world has to offer? What will your 2019 reflect?
I'm going to pray, and then as I pray, we're going to get ready to receive. Someone fill it in for me. Communion. There we go. I was I was about to say sacraments, uh, which would work, but we're about to receive communion. Uh, and the way this works for us at OCC in the service is that um, our ushers will come forward and they will just stand there. And what I encourage you to do is either as a family or as a couple, you just come and, and grab communion from them. And then you just partake in it um, on your own, on your own time. And then we will close in worship. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, I thank you for today. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to stand up here and to preach your word. God, I I pray for all of us in this room, God, that we would just be able to reflect on 2018. And God, first of all, just see how you moved and see how we hopefully grew in you. And God, I just, I pray that as we evaluate and as we look at our priorities and as we're trying to figure out how to invest in others and as we're working hard, God, I just pray that you would just give us a sense of peace, a sense of guidance, a vision, God, on how to glorify you in doing all of that. And God, I pray most of all that we would not be knocked off center, God, or, 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 or knocked off the path, God of just simply placing our faith in you. And God, that, that that would be the most important piece of our lives. So God, I thank you for all that you did in 2018. And I thank you for all that you will do in 2019. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Father, seems that there's no easier words to say and harder to live out than those words, God. To say that all we need is you, but then to think about what that really would mean in our lives, each one of us, is is incredible, Lord. To be at a point where all we need is you. We know that you're all that we need, but we, we don't live that way, God. God, even as we talk about moving ahead into a new year, as we talk about all of the things and the priorities that we set up in our lives, we recognize that the truth is that all we really need is you. We don't need to. Uh, we don't need more money, and we don't need. We don't even need to be in better shape. We don't need uh, newer, different things. We don't need more of a purpose or a goal. We need you, Father. You bring life. And so our prayer is that as we look ahead, God, that we would devote ourselves, not just to us having you, but to others having you as well, Lord. That we would be able to say in a way that is true, that truly all we do need is you, that we depend on you for everything, God, because you never let go, you never let down, you never fail us, God. You are perfect, Lord. God, thank you for who you are, that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Thank you that you are as big as you are and that you are as loving and good as you are, Lord. Thank you that we can trust you even when it's hard. God, all we need is you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.